Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Hey, today, so I'm going to finish up this series today on miracles. Today we're going to talk about the miracle of the leper. And uh, before I start, I thought last week, you know, I kind of teased you guys so much, I had uh, images on the screen of Reese's. And uh, so I thought today I would actually bring some Reese's. And, uh, but the problem is this. Listen, I hate to tell you, I only got 10 in this pack because um, so a couple of hundred of you guys are going to be um, disappointed. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, I'm going to give these away real quick. And I'm going I'm to do this for a reason, and then and it'll make sense in a moment. Uh, but so, look, if I don't pick you, don't, no, me, don't do that. Just be a, just be a big person, okay, about this. If, you're, if your birthday is on Christmas Day, like your birthday is actually on Christmas Day, raise your hand first. I, God bless you, because you get forgotten, I know, that's what happens. Okay, nobody. How about Christmas Eve? Okay, so it looks like my mom-in-law is about to get some Reese's. How about if your birthday is the day within Christmas, like you're right in there in, like, December or something? Okay, one, two, okay, here we go. Raise your hands up, okay. Oh, there's only a few guys. This might work out great. I'm going to give one to my mom-in-law first. You see that? But today's not December. Wait, wait, raise your hand up. Here you go, man. Catch that. All right, here we go. If I run out, you're just going to forgive me, okay? I'm glad the mic works out here. I've never done this before. Okay, anybody else in December over here? Okay, I'm in the back. Okay, catch it. Don't drop it. Oh, he about stole it from me. Sorry. Anybody else? I'm running low. Anybody else? I may not get to the other side. December birthdays? Anywhere? Anywhere? Okay, I'm back on this side now. I got a few more. I'm coming. Who, who's in December? Where? Coleman, where you at, man? Your birthday's in December? This guy right here, are you kidding me? Y'all know Leslie Coleman, this man right here. Look, listen, are you kidding me, man? Why don't you raise your hand? He's not, he's not going to raise his hand for nothing. This guy will build and serve in this church. He, he's fixed more stuff in our church than you would ever even know. He's done more work in this church. That man is, is wonderful. Anybody else got December birthdays? Raise your hand. I thought I saw a few people over here. Okay, uh-oh, it's getting low. It's getting low. Oh, man, this is going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Raise your hand again. Okay, December birthdays. Oh, man. It's Miss Carolyn's today. It's happy birthday, Miss Carolyn. For this illustration, I'm sorry this doesn't work. You know, I love you, though. Who else has got birthdays in December? Okay, you're not going to believe this. Check this out. This worked out, and I did not stage this at all. This worked out perfectly. Sorry about that. Unbelievable. I did not stage that. I did not. I did not. That was, that was cool, man. That just worked out great. Totally awesome. So here's the thing. How many of you guys heard them say thank you? <laughs> I put you on the spot. I know. It's totally weird. Totally put you on the spot. But I want you to see something by doing that. Listen, here's the funny thing about this. These guys in the Bible, these, these lepers, right? The funny thing is these are Reese's, and I'm cutting up with you guys. But think about this for a moment. Like, these guys got a healing. I'm going to read the scripture to you in just a moment. They had a miracle from God. Not a Reese's cup. But they got a miracle. Some might say it's close. But anyway, it's, they got a miracle from God. And, and the Bible says only one went back to say thank you. So I'm going to read this story. And then I want you to think about the context of thankfulness and the thankfulness and how it works with miracles. And so this is in Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 11. And it says, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he entered a village, ten lepers, ten leprous men, who stood at a distance, met him. They had to because of their culture, the way the law was written. If you had leprosy, you were unclean, so you had to stay at a distance. And because you were at a distance, you had to just say, unclean, unclean, unclean. You had to announce it to everybody, I'm unclean, right? You could not just walk through the halls or the, the areas with other people in the public. You had to declare that you were unclean. Can you imagine the shame that you would feel every single day that you walked by someone and they, no, I'm unclean, don't get near me, I'm unclean. How, how embarrassing would that have to be? And then verse 13 says, they raised their voices at Jesus because they could not get close to him like some of the others did in the Bible. The woman who touched the hem of his garment, they couldn't do that because they had leprosy. Their only avenue was to raise their voices and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. So to understand that in Levitical law, once a priest or someone of authority, when they saw you, you could go, they would tell you, you go and declare yourself clean to, in front of the priest. Take an offering, take this. It was a method of things. But they were being given permission, authority, if you will. Many considered him, obviously many believed in him as the Messiah, but many believed him to be a great rabbi. So because of this, they looked at that as a word, as an authoritative figure saying, you can go now, show yourselves to the priests. So that's what they were doing. And Jesus says, show yourself to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. They were not cleansed before they went. Think about that for a moment. They were not healed and they looked and went, we're better? Now let's go show ourselves to the priests. No, they were sick while they went. The Bible says that while they went or as they went or as they began to walk in that direction, as they were going, they were cleansed. In verse 15 Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, when he walked and he saw that he was healed, while the other nine went, he turned back. He turned back, and when he turned back to Jesus, he glorified God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, Luke is not being... um, politically incorrect by calling out another ethnicity here. He is not doing that. He's making this clear because of the covenant, and you'll see that in just a moment. But then Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Again, Jesus isn't being crude, but it lends to make you kind of wonder, was he the only, because it's so close to Galilee. Maybe this guy was the only Samaritan. He was the only foreigner. Maybe the other nine were Jews. Maybe they had a lot more confidence in their covenant because they're going before the priest. Maybe the Samaritan's thinking, hey, I mean, I'm just kind of following them along. Maybe they'll never know. No, no, he turns back. He's the only one that turned back. And he doesn't even have a covenant. And it says, and he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. I don't think sometimes we think about this when it comes to Thanksgiving. You know, if you're going to thank someone, you do it what? Vocally. I put all those guys on the spot. You know, I'm just messing with it. But think about this. I did it for an illustration so you could hear and think. What if you help someone? What if you help them at their house? Or what if you went to go help them? You picked up something for them. You did something for them. And the first time you did it, you know, they didn't say thank you. You thought, oh, it's no big deal. But what if the next time you helped them again in the same situation? They had a flat tire. You helped them change a tire. And they never said thank you. Right? I mean, what if... Like, you know, constantly, this person, you're like, they never told you thank you. Wouldn't you think, well, hold on a minute. Isn't this odd? 
I mean, you, or would you continue to do things for them, or would you think, wait a minute? You know, hey, listen, can I talk to you a second? It's like with your kids. I mean, sometimes kids just don't do this. You have to teach them to say thank you, especially when they're little, say thank you, say thank you, and, and they just kind of eventually they pick it up. But kids have to be taught that. Well, what if they never said thank you? The thing about saying thank you is this. It is not when I help someone, I don't need a thanks to make me feel better. I'm not doing it for the thank yous. Because check this out. Actually, if you want to think about why I help people, if you help people, you help people because of your heart, not because of their thanks. Many times we do what we do because of why. I just want to help you. I don't need your thank yous to make me feel better about what I'm doing. I did it in the first place because I wanted to. Do you understand? So it's not the thank you that I'm looking for, but there's something about thank you that shows a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. And when that's missing, it says something about us. It says that we are not grateful for even the small things in life, the small things in life. We take for granted for the little things that we have, the air that we breathe, for instance, the capacity to walk, to do the things we have, the blessings that we do have, we take for granted. So how do I really give thanks to God? We, we don't do this sometimes. We don't think about this sometimes. Is how do I give thanks to God? So let me give you a couple of things from this verse that I got as I was reading about these lepers, right? The first thing I want you to hear from this is that, first of all, they turned back and they thanked Jesus. The one guy did. I think it's something we needed sometimes to do. Just turn back and thank Jesus. And stop, stop thinking about what we don't have. Stop thinking about the fact that I didn't get this or I don't have that for a moment. And just turn back and thank him for the little things. Really, they're not small. But salvation's a pretty big gift. That right there should be enough for us to just to thank him today, you know. Thank you, Jesus. If he didn't do another thing for me, I'm grateful that I no longer have to stand up in the community and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. No, 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 no. I get to walk now in freedom and have cleansing. That right there ought to be enough to say, thank you, Lord. This man, he turned back and he said, thank you. And you may be thankful in your heart, but how are you expressing it? There's a reason why Hallmark makes so much money this time of year. Because they know, man, if you don't send a card, it don't mean as much sometimes. Isn't that right? I mean, it's a big deal. But the thing about thank you is it's also vocal. We're praising God. True praise isn't silent. God's going to get praise from someone or something. This verse has always impressed me. Luke 19, just a few chapters after this healing of the lepers. In verse 37, it says, When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers, everybody say all. That's everybody in the house. That's everybody. But all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Saying, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. I don't know why you read the Bible, but I'm sorry. I have to take a time out right there and say, what? The rocks? Like, what would that look like? All I can imagine is riding It's a Small World at Disney World. That's all I can hear. It's a small world. Jesus is Lord after. I can hear these little rocks. That's all. I, really? Is that what's going to happen? 
The rocks are going to cry out? Apparently, he's saying, yeah. They're, they're rocks. If we don't say thank you, if we don't worship God, if somebody don't say, yes, thank you, Jesus, what if your chair decided to start praising Jesus? Because you wouldn't. That would be awkward. Especially if your chair said, well, I'm sorry, you won't do it. So that would be an odd thing to happen. I know you may think, well, that's crazy. I didn't say it. He said it. Rocks are going to cry out. Listen, I'm not going to praise him for what he's done or not done for him. I'm going to praise right now for what he's already. He has done enough that he deserves praise. And they were praising God for who he was. He was Jesus, the Messiah. They, not were, they were not saying blessings on the king. They were not saying blessings on me. They were saying blessings on the king. They weren't saying, oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. They were actually saying blessings on you, king of Israel, Jesus the Messiah. Let me ask you this. It's a tough thought to think about this. If you're thankful only for your things, when your things are gone, will you be thankful? Let's say that again and think about it as you go and have turkey this week. If you're thankful only for your things, when your things are gone, will you be thankful? Because stuff comes and goes. It just does. And when it's gone, so many times, when I talk to people, some of my friends, you know, my friend Steve Holsinger was telling me about some of the things they just visited this last week. And, you know, you hear so many stories and you hear about the things that go on other places and you think, you know, they have nothing, yet they still praise God. I wonder what we would look like if we had nothing, would we still praise God? Would we still rejoice as much in Jesus, just for him being Jesus, as we did when we got the new car? You know what I'm talking about, right? When you get that thing, you know, you, you prayed for it, you wanted it, you asked for it, and you got it. And what do you do? You tell everybody, oh, look at this. Let me tell you what happened. Oh, it was just the Lord. The Lord blessed me. The Lord blessed me. The Lord blessed me. But I wonder if we didn't get that, would we still say, the Lord is still good? And his mercy doth endure forever. Our thanks to God is expressed with words. And sometimes it's loudly. One thing I always tell people is, look, when you're at church, hey, listen, just follow the platform. If they're singing loud, <clears throat> look, man, you know what? I'm, I'm singing as best I can. But if they're singing loud, you sing loud, right? If they're clapping along, you clap along. It's, not, it's cool, it's cool. If they get quiet, then you get quiet too. It's okay. Just follow the platform. If they're letting it rip, tater chip, get after it, man. It's fine. You can praise the Lord. It's a good thing to put his praise in your mouth and thank him. Here's the other thing I noticed from this story, number two, is don't be counted with the nine. This is an interesting thing here. But verse 16 again, Luke 17, it says, And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, Where were the other ten? Were the not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Again, Jesus made a point out of this statement. He's not being rude. He's not being, you know, politically incorrect with this statement. He's saying this Samaritan does not have a covenant. He is without a covenant. Indicating that the other nine, I think, were probably Jews. Why didn't the ones with the covenant come back and give me thanks? This guy right here has no covenant with me. But he's thanking me anyway. Have you ever been on the, seen something on the news when someone, they, they don't even know God? They'll, they'll say, like, I don't know. I don't know why I deserve this, but God must have been looking out for me. Do you go to church? No. Are you a Christian? No. I guess good man. I guess good Lord. I guess, you ever heard people say that? 
Isn't it funny how sometimes it's the people that we don't think about, they really do consider God and thank him sometimes more than we do. I'm not thinking this morning, just look at me and smile anyway like you love me, right? It's all right. But where were the other nine? It helps to remember where you came from and how you got here. Pastor Stephen was saying this earlier. This guy here didn't have a covenant. Guess what? You didn't have one either. Not unless you have some kind of Jewish lineage you want to dis- disclose to us and tell us about all your you know, lineage back in there. You didn't have a covenant. I'm sorry. You were without him, without Christ, without hope, without anything. And because of Jesus, you got in. And now because of that covenant, we can be thankful for what he's done for us. And this is why the Samaritan can go any further. In Psalms 100, it says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. All you lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who made us and not we ourselves. For we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The gates were the first place you went to. If you came to a synagogue or if you went to the temple, especially there, the gates were some of the first things you would have seen. You did not just walk up into the temple like, you know, we're just very comfortable in how we approach God, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in their culture, in their time, in their covenant, you didn't just get to walk up in there like, I'm a Christian, I just go where I want to go. That is not how it worked. You approached the gates with reverence because you knew what was on the other side. It was the Holy of Holies deeper into that temple or into that court. So you approached with a lot of reverence. But you came in there with, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And by the time I get to the courts, oh, man, I got a praise in my mouth. Why? Because I know why I'm here. I know what God's done for me. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you might proclaim or declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. I'm coming into those gates today because I get to. It was a privilege to walk through the gates in the temple, the same as it is when you come to your church. That when I come to church, I'm not coming in today going like, you know, well, I hope the preacher says something really good. Well, I hope the music's good today. It ought to be reversed. I ought to come in not like the nine. I ought to come in like the Samaritan saying, Lord Jesus, you know what? If there ain't a song being played today, I'm going to thank you anyway. You know, I don't care if the preacher, if he can't even get his words straight today. It don't matter. I didn't come for him. I didn't come for them. I came here today to give you praise, dear Jesus, today. That's what I came to do. If nothing else happens today, I'm going to thank you for what you've done for me in my life and my situation and my family because you deserve praise. That's it. Bottom line. If nothing else happens today, he's enough to deserve praise and, and worship. And listen, this is what I love. Everywhere you go, everywhere you go, man, you are actually you take the gate with you. Jesus said this in John 10, 9, I am the gate. And those come in through me will be saved. And they'll come and go freely and find good pastures. That's why when I pull up in the parking lot, here's what I do. Before I even, when I enter into the drive, this is what I do. Now, I don't know how you do it. It's okay. If you're riding, maybe the kids are on your neck and driving you crazy. I don't know what's going on. You got to get them to class. I don't know what's going on with you. But here's what I do. When I pull into the drive, I say this. 
Today is the day that the Lord hath made. And I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. And I don't care what else happens today. This is the day of the Lord. It's for me. Now, you might worship on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It doesn't matter what day you do church. But I'm just, today is when I gather. This is the day that I came to worship God in, a, in an assembly. So when I pull in, I forget about me. And I forget about what I want and what I don't have and what I did have and whatever I want. All that goes out the door. I come here today, Lord, to worship you. That's my number one priority is just to worship Jesus. I don't want to be counted with the nine. I want to be counted with the Samaritans, the ones who remember this. You know what? We, know, we didn't have a covenant. Thanks be to God, Jesus stepped in and provided us a way. That right there is, he, that is enough for me. And the last thing I see about this, this verse, I want you to see, is an interesting thought. But the, this guy, Jesus tells him, in verse 19, to stand up and go. Luke 17, 19, he says to him, stand up and go, for your faith has made you well. Stand up and go, your faith has made you well. He's a Samaritan without a covenant. And think about this. Jesus has said, get up. Get on up, man. What, what are you doing? That's enough. Get up. Get up and go. And we overlook this so many times, what Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. He said that phrase in numerous accounts in the Bible. Numerous accounts. To the one with issue of blood, he said, your faith has made you whole. To Jairus, when he was referring to his daughter, his daughter was sick. Jesus, please come take her. He said, go. To the guy who was speaking the word when he's the centurion's servant, and he spoke the word only, he said, go. It's done. This is as you believed. He used phrases like this over and over and over again. And it made me think about the Samaritan. I wonder how he went back to town versus the other nine. Think about the nine. They had been healed, but there was no real thanksgiving. You know, they probably went about their day. They got to go back with their family, and it's a great, it's a wonderful thing. But this Samaritan realized something. He didn't have a covenant. He had no real, he had real no rights to stand and to declare that he had been healed by God, to been accepted by God. He had no covenant rights. I wonder how he went back. I got to imagine in my mind, the Samaritan, he kind of probably went back a little differently in his approach to things. You know, it's an interesting thing when you think about how you believe things and what you believe about things. It determines how you act and what you walk like in life. If I went to the temple in their time, their culture, I would have seen the slaughter of thousands of animals. Birds and lambs and you name it, man. They killed everything, man. You know what I'm saying? God, there, was, there had to be bloodshed for the remission of sins or the covering of sins or for, if you will, the temporary appeasement of God, if you will. Before Jesus ever died, blood was always shed. This is nothing new. But you would have walked near the temple and you would have seen and smelled the slaughter of animals. And you would have known that something had to die for you to stand before God. That would have been a part of your consciousness over and over and over again. People who were there, 
It wouldn't have mattered if the rain had come in, one of those crazy storms that just blow in off the mountain. If you were in line and it was your day to go, and you had to bring the animal for the sacrifice, for the, for, for the covering of your sin, for that, and it was your day, it wouldn't have mattered if it had come a cyclone. It was your day to be there. And no matter what the temperature was, if it was hot and there was no air conditioning in the temple, it all went out. It didn't matter. It was your day. You would have been there because there was no other way. There's no other option. And they would have all been in line. You'd have been standing in rows of people just waiting your turn. Like, oh, man. Oh, Jimbo's up there. You know, time Jimbo goes up there, he's got to repent on everything. You know, like, I was hoping I'd get in front of him. Don't they have an express lane like at Walmart? Can't you self-check out when these things just run a dove through? You know, it's kind of going your way kind of thing. That's what you were kind of hoping for, but none of that was there. You were not authorized to bring and give your own sacrifice. The priest had to take it from you and do it for you and declare you now you are cleansed. Go until another date in the future. That's how it worked. So you would have had this in your mind, a constant remembering of all this. Here comes a Samaritan who really doesn't get the same opportunity. Just doesn't. They were considered to be outcasts. They were considered to be, no, you're not one of us kind of thoughts. They were looked down upon in community. They were considered, no, you just, you're, you're over here. We don't associate with you. You're over on that side of the mountain. We're on this side of the mountain. You don't even worship like we worship. You know, you don't understand who we are. No, those kind of things. And this guy all of a sudden has been given the opportunity by Jesus to be healed and to stand up and go in what you know, to go in what you have believed. Your faith has made you whole. Can I just ask you a question this morning about the miracle of thanksgiving? How do you approach God today? Is your life kind of wrapped up in some of the thoughts that maybe you have had, maybe something went wrong, it didn't go right, maybe you needed forgiveness on something, maybe you still struggle with shame or guilt or something like that, and you come to church, and it's hard to really worship God because you're thinking about all these things that, well, man, I wish God, I just hate the fact that I did, I hate that mistake. Listen, everybody makes mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us do. But when we come to church, we're supposed to stand up in the presence of the Lord, knowing this, that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from our sins. When we worship God, I'm not supposed to come in and think about, you know, like old Jimbo, what all he's done wrong, compare myself with him. Well, I got it. I don't have to kill as many animals as he did. You know I mean? He's, he's all jacked up. I got to, no, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm supposed to come in and my faith is supposed to dictate my worship to God. But too many times, this is what happens. We have the issues of life that are around us. We have the problems of life, regrets or whatever, and we're afraid to worship because we're like, well, I don't know if I really belong. Your faith will make you whole. What you believe about your relationship with Jesus will actually make you whole. If you don't believe that he's the one that sets you free, if you don't believe he's the one that really forgave you and redeemed you, if you don't believe that this morning, then you're going to have a very limited worship life. You'll be saved. You'll be fine. But what he'd rather have you do is stand up and just go with him and believe that he actually redeemed you 100% 
that there's no more need for sin offerings, that you don't have to come and do penance anymore, that you just stand in front of him and just say, Lord Jesus, here I am. And because of your sacrifice, I'm going to worship you here this morning. Plain and simple. And I worship him. I don't approach God this morning without a covenant. I approach him with a covenant. I worship him because I have a covenant, and I believe that over everything else. What do you believe this morning? Let me ask you, I'm going to change this morning. What is your, where's your faith at this morning? Do you really believe that Jesus forgave you? Do you really believe that Jesus has redeemed you and has given, your li- given his life for you? If you believe that, then he's worthy of our praise. He is worthy of thanksgiving. And when someone does something for you like Jesus, you say thank you. Just like, I, look, I gave these Reese's out to these guys not expecting anything back in return because it was a gift. I didn't ask them to come back and give me 10 more because I gave to you. You know, if you give to them, you'll reap what you sow. I didn't, I didn't expect a harvest. That's ridiculous. I gave it to them. It's a gift. How many times do you think I think Jesus stands up in heaven and goes, you know, I gave you salvation. I'm not asking for anything, but thank you. I'm not asking for you to show me how super spiritual you are, and you're such a big, strong Christian. Yes, you are. No, I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking for you to be the best Bible study teacher in town or for you to walk around like you've got your stuff together because we all know you don't. I'm just asking you to lift your hands and say thank you for saving me. That's all I need. That's all I need. That's what I think Jesus did. And this is why Paul said this. Paul was considered to be one of the most, the greatest persecutor of the of the church, if you will, before he was converted to Christ. Paul oversaw the first martyr, which was Stephen. It was under his direction that Stephen was killed. He saw numerous Christians killed and murdered under his hand. And Paul, after his conversion to Christ, listen to what he says in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Now, why do you think Paul had to say that? Probably because Paul struggled at times with, well, look what I've done. I mean, How would you like that on your resume? You think we got a little shame and guilt. How would you like to be the guy that's in the Bible that you are known for overseeing the first martyr in the Christian church? That's got to be awful. But Paul said, this is why I rejoice in the Lord. And again, I always say rejoice. So this is why I have to say this when I come here today. Be thankful. You go in this week, as you go into Thanksgiving, as you go and have dinner, whatever you do for Thanksgiving, I don't know what you do, but whatever you do, Be thankful for Jesus. Be thankful for what you've been given. You know, when we come to church, don't don't come to church thinking, well, you know, like the other nine, like I hope that, you know, everything's just the way I want it. Sometimes, you know, people tell me this, and I don't don't take it wrong. I don't say it, you love me anyway. But it makes me cringe when I hear people say, well, you can't tell me how to worship. I worship God in my heart my own way. And I just want to say, think about it. Love me in Jesus' name. But do you hear how that sounds? I am going to worship God in my heart, my own way. That's a lot of you in that sentence. That's a lot of you. It's supposed to be, if he wants me to worship him, I'm going to worship him. If he wants me to sing, I'll sing. If he wants me to clap, I'll clap. Even if I'm offbeat, I'm going to try it anyway. You know, I'm going to worship God and be thankful for what he's done for me this morning. 
So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. First of all, I want you to forgive me for not giving you Errol Reese's this morning and just 10 of you, 10 of you, I just made a brighter day out of, you know. But while you're here this morning, I know Thanksgiving is a time where we get started into these holiday seasons and everybody starts thinking about people that maybe loved ones and maybe they think about uh, people that they might see, might not see this year, people that, you know, <clears throat> relationships get started and different things like that. But I want you to think about this for a moment over everything else that's going on to be thankful for Jesus. To be thankful for the Lord who saved you, first and foremost. For be thankful for God. And no matter what's happened, no matter what's going on this, this year or this season, as you go into Thanksgiving, to be grateful. It's easy to stand sometimes and forget about, uh, about the Lord and what he's done. It's easy to look at the, the list of things that you have and say, well, man, look what God's done for me. Look what God hasn't done for me. But the reality is, even if God didn't do anything else for us, the fact that you and I can come here this morning and just worship him, that's enough. Because I couldn't save myself and you couldn't either. I couldn't cleanse myself. You couldn't cleanse yourself either. No amount of works is going to ever do it. No matter gifts, how many gifts you give away or <clears throat> what you do in life, nothing will ever save you. It's the precious blood of Jesus that does it. Because of him, we're going to offer up a grateful heart to him in, in thanksgiving. So, Lord, I just come before you today and I ask you to remind us of who you are. Well, that we might come before you like the Samaritan in this story. God, knowing that we did not have a covenant before. We had no rights to come before you. We had no rights to stand in this place, God, without you. But it is because of your blood, Jesus, that each of us get to come in here today. And we get to worship you and honor you, Lord. You are such a good, good God that even when we were yet in our sin, you died for us. You made the sacrifice for us. And so I pray you'd help us remember that today. And God, I pray for every person that's here, Lord, that maybe they're going into this season this week. And God, whatever's going on, maybe they have relationships that are strained or maybe some relationships that are broken, God, or <clears throat> there may be some things that they're gonna deal with this year that they didn't deal with last year. I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would give them your peace and your comfort and your help. God, give them your guidance and give them, Lord, direction. And I pray most of all, God, that you would strengthen them by your spirit in the inner man. God, help them to be a, a strong tower, Lord. Help them to be a light. Help them to be, a, to be able to stand in the midst of whatever else is going on around them. In the name of Jesus. And I pray today, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray today that they give, your heart, they give their heart to you today. And so right now, with your eyes closed, no one's looking around, but if that's you, <clears throat> we're going to pray a prayer together. The whole church will pray with you. You won't be praying by yourself. But if you say, yes, I need to give my heart to Jesus today, I want you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I surrender everything. I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to heal me, just like the lepers. In the name of Jesus, 
I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.